Thanks for checking out our weekly Sunday message from Carrollton UMC. We pray that God will use this to speak to you and help you grow in faith. We invite you to join us this Sunday at our 10.30 a.m. one-hour service, in person at our location in Uptown New Orleans, or live online on our YouTube channel or Facebook page. To learn more about Carrollton, please visit us at carrolltonumc.com. We hope you enjoy this message. Our scripture this morning comes from Luke 2, so it's pretty early in the gospel, and it deals with Jesus as a baby, more or less. It is Luke 2, verses 22 through 40. Jesus presented in the temple. When the time came for the purification rites required by the law of Moses, Jesus and Mary took him to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord. As it is written in the law of the Lord, every firstborn male is to be consecrated to the Lord. And to offer a sacrifice in keeping with what is said in the law of the Lord, a pair of doves or two young pigeons. Now there was a man in Jerusalem called Simeon who was righteous and devout. He was waiting for the consolation of Israel and the Holy Spirit was on him. It had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not die before he had seen the Lord's Messiah. Moved by the Spirit, he went into the temple courts, and when the parents brought in the child Jesus to do for him what the custom of the law required, Simeon took him in his arms and praised God, saying, Sovereign Lord, yes, you have promised you may now dismiss your servant in peace. For my eyes have seen your salvation, which you have prepared in the sight of all nations, a light for revelation to the Gentiles and the glory of your people Israel. The child's father and mother marveled at what was said about him. Then Simeon blessed them and said to Mary his mother, This child is destined to cause the failing and rising of many in Israel and to be a sign that will be spoken against so that the thoughts of many hearts will be revealed and a sword will pierce your own soul too. There was also a prophet, Anna, the daughter of Penuel, who the tribe, of the tribe of Asher. She was very old. She had lived with her husband seven years after her marriage and then was a widow until she was 84. She never left the temple but worshiped night and day, fasting and praying. Coming up to them at that very moment, she gave thanks to God and spoke about the child to all who were looking forward to the redemption of Israel. When Joseph and Mary had done everything required by the law of God, they returned to Galilee and their own town of Nazareth. And the child grew and became strong. He was filled with wisdom, and the grace of God was on him. The word of God for us, the people of God, let us pray. Dear Heavenly Father, may the words of my mouth and the meditation of all of our hearts be acceptable to you in all ways, for you are our rock and our ever-present Redeemer. Amen. I love a good double entendre. Did I say that correctly? I, you know, just to make sure that I know what that means, because, like, I only took eight years of Spanish, and it sounds kind of Frenchy. So I looked it up, and I was a little surprised that in the dictionary, the fir- or the Internet dictionary anyway, the first definition of double entendre that popped up was this. A word or a phrase that is open to two interpretations, one of which is usually risque or indecent. I had no idea. 
You know, that said, I don't think that the, one of the two meanings has to be risque or indecent. And frankly, the two meanings I'm working with today none of, are none of that. Uh, but when we use this phrase, what are you waiting for? While it's not off color, it's usually used pejoratively. It's a, a way to sort of passive aggressively make a statement. Passive aggressive? Really? Fine. Passive aggressive. So you passive aggressively make this statement that someone is taking way too long to make a decision or to take an action. What are you waiting for? That's not what we're talking about today when we use the phrase with Simeon. So the scripture presents us today with this person, Simeon, who's waited to see the Messiah. And I just want to say that I love this scripture. I don't know what it is about it, but every time I read it, I have this warm feeling in my heart. But he waited a long time. And according to tradition, there is a sacred tr tradition that says that the way that Simeon got to this point where the Holy Spirit came to him and said, you're going to see the Messiah before you die, is that he's reading Isaiah 7, verse 14, which reads this way, prophesying, therefore the Lord himself will give you a sign. The virgin will con conceive and give birth to a son and will call him Emmanuel. And this makes no sense to, to Simeon. He says, I, I'm going to substitute the words, a young woman there, for a virgin, because it doesn't make sense to me. And then an angel comes to Simeon and stops him and says, no, look, that verse is accurate the way it reads. And then the angel promises Simeon and says, look, before you die, you are going to see the child of that virgin. So based on that tradition, the promise that was made to Simeon occurred like 200 years before it was fulfilled. Now, we're not really sure how old Simeon was when he met Jesus in the temple, but one thing we can be sure of, he was really old. So see, he must have lived all those days and years and maybe even centuries every day thinking, wondering, is this the day? Is this the day I'm going to see salvation? Or is this the day that I'm going to consider giving up hope? Is this the day that I will experience the fulfillment of the promise or is this the day that I'm going to despair about whether it's ever going to be fulfilled? So what is the miracle for Simeon? Is it that Simeon's eyes saw salvation in the form of Jesus or that he'd been set free to go in peace? You know, these days, because we have Jesus with us every day and he provided the sacrifice that he did for our salvation the presentation of Jesus is all around us every day. So, so what is the miracle for Simeon? And it's this. Simeon continued to show up. He continued to be vigilant and attentive. He continued to trust the promise. He continued to wait with hope and expectation. He never despaired, and he never walked away from the promise. The miracle for Simeon is that he was showing up. Sometimes the most difficult thing for us is to just show up. But it's always the question for us, will we show up? And will we continue to show up with hope and trust? And will we be awake and vigilant when we're showing up? There's a patience, a quiet strength, a faithfulness, an endurance that is needed to wait on God. We know from Scripture that God's time is not like our time frame. They don't necessarily coincide. You know some of the examples, like 2 Peter 3, verse 8. It says, don't forget one thing, dear friends. With the Lord, a day is like a thousand years, and a thousand years is like a day. The Lord is not slow in keeping his promise, as some understand slowness. Instead, he's being patient with you, 
not wanting anyone to perish, but everyone to come to repentance. And then there's Lamentations 3. The Lord is good to those who hope in him, to the one who seeks him. It is good to wait quietly for the salvation of the Lord. So in addition to all that patience and strength and faithfulness and endurance, we need a proper focus while we're waiting on God, an openness to what God may be bringing to us in his time. Because I want you to think about this as it relates to Simeon. What if it, Simeon's sitting there thinking, I'm waiting for this child to come to me. What in fact, if it was really that Jesus was waiting for Simeon to show up? Simeon thought he was presenting the child to God, but what if the real event here of critical substance was the child presenting the elderly man, Simeon, to God? And we don't know the extent to which Simeon thought about those possibilities, but you have to think that while Simeon was waiting year after year for, to meet the Messiah, he had to expect that there was a special purpose in him, for possibly in it for him, beyond just seeing Jesus. The river of God runs deep. And so I ask you, what are you waiting for? A couple of weeks ago, we studied Jeremiah 29, 11. Very famous. You know it. Where Jer the prophet says that God says, for I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you and not to harm you, plans to give you a hope and a future. And there's another one like it in Proverbs 3. It says, trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding and all your ways submit to God and he will make your paths straight. Now we should be really hopeful and expectant about both of those scriptures. God has a plan for us, a plan that's going to benefit us, and that we can submit to God's understanding and not our own, which also benefits us. However, there is nothing about those two scriptures. Even combined with this concept that God's time is not our time, there's nothing in there that tells us that we should be waiting in such a way that we are using the waiting as a crutch a crutch against being active Christians today and every day right now. We recently discussed that a lot of us are waiting for God to just come clobber us over the head, whether it's for our sinfulness, at which point we say, okay, well, maybe we'll reel in our sinfulness when he hits me on the head, or clobbers us with God's plan for us, at which point in time we said, then we're going to embark on the mission. We have to understand that God may refrain from clobbering us over the head like that. But in the interim, we know that life will have its moments. It will have its moments of taking a two-by-four upside our noggins that very often will make it difficult for us to see God in the process if we're not already trusting God and leaning on him for our understanding. There are aspects of our individual relationships with God that will be like Simeon's encounter with Jesus. It will be a long time before those aspects are revealed or fulfilled. And frankly, that's a good thing. Because that's the difference between having faith in a God versus having a God that puts his foot down on humanity in such a way that we have no logical or practical choice but to submit to that God. That's not our God. But in the interim, God reveals himself to us continually through Jesus, 
through scripture, through creation. And that constant revelation is your means to an end, to be the Christian that God wants you to be, to live the life that God designed for you while you can, now, before you, I don't know, get hit by the proverbial bus. So what are you waiting for? And I hope that you're waiting and expecting that God is saving something great for you. But I also expect that you would think that if you're going to get that kind of reward from God, that would come to those people who are leading a life right now, every day, that God intended and not sitting on their hands till God makes some splashy appearance in their lives. Waiting well on the Lord is not allowing our waiting for God to distract us from the good that God wants us to do in his name while we wait. So if you're not leading the life right now that God intended for you, if you haven't taken the time to figure out that plan from God and to implement it in your life, God wants to know this. What are you waiting for? Let us pray. God, you've laid it all out for us in Scripture and the life of Christ. And Lord, we know that you have mysteries untold that we can never imagine or understand until you reveal those to us. But Lord, in the interim, help us to be children of God, fully dialed in to the message of Christ, fully faithful in salvation through him, and fully engaged in the life that you would have us live, Lord, while we wait on you for whatever it is you have down the road for us. Help us to understand, Lord, that the present time is not a fallow time, but there is no fallow time in you, Lord. The present time is a time for us to be about your work. We pray these things in the name of Jesus Christ, your Son, our Lord, and our Savior. Amen.